you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Up this morning with the sundown shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Greg on the board, uh... Even though I can't hear myself, um, S&P futures are uh, up 63. Nasdaq futures are up two, three, six, 360. Well, this has to do with uh, Nvidia earnings, which came out. Everybody was very worried about it yesterday. The stocks were down because Palo Alto was down the day before, 100 bucks. And now, but now Nvidia is up 91 dollars after initially being down like 40. So it's like a 130 point move after the after the. Uh, Earnings, which is somewhat, somewhat interesting. The, we have, um, so we've got the the market is making a huge run up here after a few down days, and this, I don't know, I just these guys are their revenue is up, uh, rise of two hundred sixty five percent from last year year on year, which is net income is up almost eight hundred percent. So it's definitely working its way into its stock price. I just, I don't know why I don't trust this company, but I I just don't. I mean, uh. But I'm probably wrong, so it, maybe they are going to be the one place that uh, the entire world needs. We have Professor Lou. Good morning. How are you, bud? I'm just peachy. Um, just peachy. Well, good for you. Did you happen to uh, watch the uh, 60 Minutes thing last week about the uh, uh, Red Sea and interviewed the guy who was in the guy the the admiral that is in charge of the whole area and so forth? It's pretty I, interesting. Uh, I did. I did watch. I never watched 60 Minutes because. They are as intellectually dishonest a program as I've ever seen, but I did see that clip of the uh, Danville operations in the Red Sea. Um, they asked, uh, what's her name? I forget who did the interview, which is not so it good. It was O'Donnell. O'Donnell, I think, did the interview. Uh, the guy says it's, it's really been since World War II that the Navy's been in a situation where we're shooting at somebody and they're shooting back at us, or the other way around. You mean we've had a lot of naval engagements, but nobody really shot at us, evidently, before for a while. He said this is going on constantly, and I, I, I he kept showing these uh, missiles going off, and the you know I, I was on the uh, battleship New Jersey over in uh, in Sin, New Jersey. Well, actually now it's in dry dock getting fixed, but uh, 
maintain, uh, maintenance, I'll use that term. But I see, I see all these missile, uh, they look like little trap doors, right, where all the missiles are? Yeah, and uh, Launch cells, yeah. And I, I see about 25 or 30 of them on whatever ship this guy was on, it was a destroyer or a cruiser. I keep thinking, okay, so if these guys fling out like 20 drones, you empty your whole stockpile of a million and a half dollar missiles, how the hell do you get them back? How do you get them back in there? I mean, you, where does where does that ship have to go to be resupplied for that stuff? And how do we get the things over there? Okay, well, I've, I've been following this whole issue fairly closely because I follow up and I forwarded some of the emails on onto you from this guy, Commander Salamander, the uh, the retired naval officer who writes at uh, Substack. Um, so we have not really done a very good job of trying to figure out how we're going to resupply these guys, how we're going to reload these guys at sea. Well, it's half, it is it. halfway around the world. They they can do it apparently, but um, you know they normally they have to put into port and and transfer the missiles and then and then reload them. Uh, okay, I just got a message saying my mic is terrible. Hold on. I'm hearing you actually pretty good. Yeah, I just got a message from, uh, I think, from Greg. Let, let's try yeah, it Yeah, that's now. me. Sorry. You just come in a little quiet. Try to do it that, here. Nobody, nobody has ever accused me of that. Um, <laughs> Actually, Greg, I'm, that, my, I'm coming back to myself real quiet, too, so I think it's by you. Yeah, well, <laughs> we got what we got for now. All right. Okay, Lucky it's I'll, um, I'll, I'll try to, uh, let's see if I can adjust my mic at this end. Uh, I'll try to do something here. It's getting better, thanks. There you are, it's okay. better. Um, anyway, the the so reloading has been an issue. So that's number one. We we got to get we got to get better at that. Number two, um, we have actually had our ships taken under fire before since World War II, but not with the consistency and in the volume that we're seeing right now. So, in the uh, first or uh, yeah first Iraq War, I believe we had ships fired on in uh, in the Persian Gulf. Uh, Iraq fired at least one uh, cruise missile at uh, Exocet, I believe, or maybe two Exocets at one of our destroyers. Um, how so how would one of those guys get one of those things? Aren't those ours? Exocets? No, yeah. they were, those are French missiles. Uh, um, they, they were they were buying them on the black market from places like Argentina and some other places where the French had sold the, the weapons. So so we've, we've had some practice. We haven't had this kind of practice. The and your point about, and the Admiral's point about, you know, shooting off million-dollar missiles to knock down twenty-thousand-dollar drones is, you know, is correct. It doesn't sound like a, a, a fair trade-off, except that what you're trying to do is prevent more than a million dollars worth of damage. Oh, I, I, I mean, I get that part. I'm just saying it seems like if okay. this went on for six months, it'd be kind of a weird deal. Well, the, the big problem, the big problem, Chief, is we're just not we're just not manufacturing enough of those missiles. So, so this is depleting very quickly, depleting our our stock. I mean, we we we've already gone through, I think, I think we've already gone through something like two years worth of missile orders, uh, just in in ship defense out there right now, and we don't have enough we don't have enough ships to defend commercial shipping. They can shoot, you know, that the the bubble for each one of those ships is is maybe you know a hundred miles. Uh, they can shoot. We cover that whole area with their ballistic missiles because they're land-based. Their ballistic missiles and their and their drones. Um, I I think it's crazy. The Iranians are providing targeting information to them through two ships that are in the area. 
I don't know why we haven't sunk those two vessels. Um, well, yes, I do because because the Biden people love Iran, and Iran's got Iran's got operatives placed at the very highest levels of our Pentagon and State Department uh, group. They, they they just moved on that O'Malley or Malley guy who was uh, was you know, had his security clearances revoked. Uh, but but the the short answer is this. We have a we have a logistics issue with respect to our reload capability at sea, and that is a that is a an ongoing problem that we have to fix. Eric, okay, when you say let's for those like me, wh- where where exactly are we talking when you say logistics? I mean, we're talking about loading these things on either a big ass plane or a ship in in where Virginia or in in Connecticut? Where do they where do they make these things? Well, we have to. They'll, they'll transport them probably by rail to places like Norfolk, and then they put them on a. They get them on a resupply ship, and then that ship takes off to go to a port somewhere, where the two vessels can. The port would be where? Where's the ports for the uh, Red Sea? Is it, it can't be all out in the Don't we have we have facilities in uh, in Gutter? Cutter, I think it I is. Think. Yeah, and. Uh, I. Th- Think we've got facilities in Cyprus. All right, Obviously so that's all, those are a ways away. I mean, well, we got we got facilities throughout the Red Sea, so or out throughout the Med, so we can we can put into port and reload there, or we can reload at sea. And the reloading at sea is problematic, and it's something they don't do well. And that's what our buddy Commander Salamander was talking about when he when he first noted this this issue. But that has to be a very specialized ship with some kind of a. A crane because yep. you got to put these things in vertically. Yep, that's right. And, and how do you and how do you get those ships together that precision when you're bouncing around on waves? Well, that that's why you got to practice it, you know. And and we don't we really don't have much in the way of capability there. So, you know. Well, but how many? How, these, I, I'm, I know I'm just firing questions here, but how many, that has to be a pretty specialized ship. How many of those do we have? Uh, not not that many. So, you know, again, this is the same. This is the Navy's version of the problem that the Air Force has with its aerial refueling tankers. And that is that the fastest way to, to shut down our fighter forces and bomber forces in the Pacific is to bomb the tanker bases because we can't go anywhere without air refueling. And and so the Navy has to the Navy has to, to come up with a fix on this. They are using cheaper systems now to shoot down the twenty thousand dollar drones. Uh, they're using aircraft, for example, that can shoot them down with with guns or with a high speed, uh, or with a uh, sorry, with a missile. They are, <coughs> excuse me, they're using some of their their cannon. You know, the five inch guns that a lot of those vessels carry. Uh, those are effective anti aircraft guns against slow moving targets. And uh, so those, but you know, but their engagement. Well, range I, I know, I'm, I'm two I'm, miles, three I know, miles. I know, I'm, uh, I'm I'm nuts on this because in my in my previous life. It, it, uh, Pullman for railroad cars. In order for you to do anything, you needed the person, the part, and the procedure all in the same spot at the same time <laughs> to get anything done. And it's really hard to do that. And I can't imagine what what these guys are trying to accomplish in the middle of a, of a sea, doing the same thing. I mean, I, let, I, let me let me give you let me give you something even. You know, the navy the navy and its resupply ships are probably less than a thousand vessels. Uh, Moving in various places to you know resupply and 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 do other stuff. So imagine now you are coordinating 
every Air Force tanker and Air Force transport aircraft and you're setting up an air bridge to move you know three divisions or four divisions 30 to 40,000 guys at one time across the Atlantic into into the Gulf um, and you have to coordinate every plane every plane needs at least one or two tankers every load on that plane has to be matched to a requirement in the theater and you know planes break people get sick accidents happen and so you've got a schedule and then you have to be able to coordinate and move that schedule on the fly and that's what one of my classmates did for two years during uh, Gulf War two and and you know they used obviously used computers to and uh, all that to, to do that but um, yeah it was it was a challenge and uh, this this resupply issue is is a challenge both as I said in terms of numbers of missiles that we have available and the vessels that can that can transport them to the to the theater and the vessels that can load them onto those ships. Did you ever see? Uh, I'm sure you have the John Wayne movie, Kirk Douglas in Harm's Way. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Well, it's a movie that I could hardly believe was made in 1965 with the themes of adultery, rape, uh, and, and all the other backstory stuff that. I actually uh, actually read the on. book. The movie's like word for word from the book. It it's a fantastic it's a fantastic movie. But I mean, I, the part that you miss unless you have been involved in something like like I was at Pullman. Just for, for the listeners, it's kind of a... John Wayne is in charge of this... It was a cruiser, right? Without any radar or without anything? Yep. yep. Well, he was he was at sea during Pearl Harbor. He's coming back. He's trying to find the Japanese, but he's got no radar. He's got no guidance from anybody. And they get torpedoed by a sub because he wasn't... Uh, he, he wasn't, wasn't zigzag. Zigzagging, which, which maybe didn't even work anyway. But he also had no fuel left, and there was no tanker. So they... They basically kick him to the curb and put him in charge of uh, uh, convoy routing and convoy whatever, you know. And and all of a sudden you see him in these butler buildings with like 40 other guys all sitting at desks working their asses off on, on paper. You can imagine doing that in those days without computers and stuff, and yet, yet guys sat there and did that like for 12 hours a day, making sure, like Lou's talking about, all the right stuff is on the right ship, it's in the right convoy, and the right captain. And, I mean, I... The logistics is incredible. I mean, I, I can't even begin to think about it. Well, that, that's what that's what wins you a war. Oh yeah, one without the, a doubt. One of the one of the things that jumps out at us from Russia's experience in Ukraine is how badly the Russians, you know, performed in terms of getting stuff to their people uh, in a timely way, in terms of maintaining the stuff that they had in the field. I mean, one of the—if you're bad at that, if you're trying to conduct an operation against a modern enemy, and you are bad at logistics, you're going to lose. Or, or if you win, it's going to be a pyrrhic victory. If you, because, uh, and, you're going to lose so much stuff and so many people unnecessarily. In one of which, uh, well, William Kennedy's chapters of Freedom from Fear, he talked about like when we went up against a Japanese soldier. George Marshall was absolutely adamant that if he was going to send somebody into harm's way, uh, from the name from the movie, that our guy was going to be more equipped, more likely to come home than their guy in every conceivable. And he actually had a, a list there that an average Japanese 
soldier had like 10 bullets, no grenades. I don't know how much rations they had. And then they have the American guy. Now, granted, you know, if you get shot, you get shot. Every guy had like 100 bullets, three grenades, like a whole roll of toilet paper. I mean, everything you possibly needed to, that you could you can use of something. Our guys, they made sure we, you know, our, but still, like I said, if you get shot, you're still dead. Uh, okay, so so real quick, uh, two, two vignettes, and then I want right. to talk about a couple other things. Yep. But the first is that, do you know where the expression in arm's way comes from? Uh, I heard the line in the movie. No. Well, yeah, it's in the movie. If you go to the uh, Navy Memorial in Washington, D.C., you will see uh, inscribed around this bas-relief map of the world uh, on this plaza, you will find inscribed various um, famous quotations from, from naval people in U.S. Navy history. And there is a quote from a young naval officer named uh, John Paul Jones. There you go. <laughs> who, who said in his letter to Congress requesting a commission, he said, it's something to the effect of, I have no desire to be associated with a, a ship that is not fast, for I intend to go in harm's way. <laughs> well, there, 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 there you go. <laughs> so that's, that's, where that, that's where that comes from. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to, I wanted to just mention... Well, let, let me ask you one quick question. Should, is, is there someone... I, I, I get the feeling that with these, these drones are... Let's, let's use the term... Compared to a you know an F thirty five are are low tech right? I mean they're not low tech as drones. Very, yeah. Um, should we be looking for a drone killer that is also low tech? You know, essentially a prop airplane with guns and running around just shooting these things out. Well, I mean that's one way of that's one way of doing it, but you got to have a platform. I mean, I mean the ideally, or even or even a helicopter. Ideally, the way to do it would be to would be to um, have your own counter drone, you know, technology that could once these things are detected, and we apparently have no trouble detecting them. Once these things are detected, you launch your little suicide drone, your little suicide RV, and and it flies out there and crashes into the thing and takes it down. And you theoretically you could do that for a couple hundred bucks. I would think I was thinking um, more of like my uncle from forty five flying a P forty seven. Going out there and just knocking these things down like like they're nah, weather balloons. I mean, I mean, we are doing that with some with some of our jet aircraft. There's some marine guy, some marine F-35 pilot, I think, who's killed like uh, who's killed like ten of them. But the the real, you know, the the cheapest, easiest way to deal with this is with something that we've been talking about for decades, but I think are just beginning now to, to field, and that's a, some kind of directed energy weapon, which which costs you know, five bucks a shot. A phaser. A laser. Or, or, you know, the handheld version of this, and the Army and Marine Corps already have these, and I think the Air Force Base Defense does too. But it's a handheld rifle kind of thing that fires a, a beam of electric energy, electronic energy, uh, at the at the drone. Yet another and Star Trek thing that came to fruition. Well, it... it all you're doing, all you're trying to do with those things is jam the data links so that the drone loses guidance. You, you knock out its GPS or you knock out its uh, its uh, link, radio link to the shore. And if you can do that, the thing goes down. And it, you know, Why can't, it, it loses without, its target. Without uh, 
knocking out the, you know, I don't, I'm not so sure that our administration loves Iran. I don't think Trump loved the guy in North Korea, but he went to see him and was nice to him for a while. Uh, you, yeah, I don't. It, this administration placed a, a, a pro-Iranian operative at the highest levels of the Pentagon, and then and then allow him to bring in other. Was this, was this like the Philby thing, or did they know this was going yeah, on? Yeah, it's, it's very very close to that, as far as I can tell. I mean, they just—it's a scandal. The press isn't reporting it, but the guy—the guy was, and as far as I know, his two acolytes that he that he brought in. And when I say pro-Iranian, I don't just mean yeah, we kind of kind of think Iran's the future over there. I mean, these people are channeling Iranian information and to, through into our system, and and God knows what they're. They're sending back to Iran. All right, my, my question is, if, if we don't, somebody doesn't want to blast these two ships, why don't we have a couple of electronic ships just go sit next to the thing and jam everything they do? Uh, I, I don't know. You know, is that even possible? No, it, it's not impossible. We we I mean we have vessels with that kind of capability that could do it. We could we could fly. I think we still have the uh, aircraft that we could fly over the EF-18s. That could fly over them and turn on jamming systems. I think could probably burn out some of their some of their electronics. Well, I, I would I would do that. In a, I would do that in a second rather than counting and knocking them in the water. Uh, it, that's a temporary fix. And and you, you want to send you want to send a message to to the Iranians. And and I would I would sink those two boats. It's not a. It wouldn't even be a wouldn't even be a particularly difficult thing to do. And we don't have to announce that we're doing it. You know, they could just disappear. Well, we have and, to have a submarine there somewhere. I'm sure they could do it easily. Yes, and they just, they just, you know, they go down. They get torpedoed or whatever. They disappear. What happened to your down. ship? It was there a minute ago. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, you know, did you guys lose another submarine? Yeah. Um, what a great line that was. From Red October. Anyway, um, the, the point I wanted to make with regard to the, to the Russians and, and their logistics is if, if you're not training people to think like this, and apparently the Russians have not, you're going you're gonna to have some catastrophe. So the Russians have lost... Um, seven airplanes, very expensive, multi-million-dollar aircraft, you know, gazillion-dollar aircraft, in the last week. Major, you know, these are ma- shootdowns by the uh, Ukrainians. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's being done by patriots, but, but nobody, nobody seems to know, and the Russians don't seem to have an idea as to what. You know what we've done technologically with with the Ukrainians to to goose the capability of that that weapon system against their their frontline aircraft. So so that's one side of it. They're, they're not thinking about this, and they're not they're not being careful. And then yesterday, um, and this is you know sort of classic. Some some Russian general was going to visit the front, and so they muster out you know. I think of one or two battalions, you know, maybe 1,500 people. Uh, they muster them out into a formation about, I think of something like 30 or 40 miles from the front line. So they get these guys in formation in an open field to greet the commander. And of course, the Ukrainians have drones flying all over the place. They spot the formation and they hit it with three or four HIMARS strikes. Now those are, what are, what are, those are, those from a plane or from a uh, artillery shell? Artillery shell. HIMARS right. is an artillery system, rocket artillery system. They hit it with three or four HIMARS uh, rockets. You know, those things are good, accurate within like ten feet, and they're and they're carrying cluster bomb munitions. And supposedly, the the 
Russians lose something like a hundred guys killed and several hundred wounded because they were all they were all in ranks standing out in the field basically with a target on their on their back saying hey this is a great this would be a great spot for an artillery strike I mean it, it, assuming that's true and, and it's being reported by Russian by Russian military bloggers assuming that you know pro-russian military bloggers assuming that's true again the thought process on basic stuff the thing you were talking about how do we get people the parts and the capability to you know to put it in there all in one spot at the same time how do we how do we orchestrate our process on basic stuff the thing you were talking so I'm about. hearing an echo now. Do you yeah, guys I am too. So why don't we go to we go to break and we'll uh, hold that thought. SP Futures up 63, Nasdaq Futures up 355. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures up 62. NASDAQ Futures up 353. Um, all this has to do with NVIDIA is up 85 hours. It's not a minute. Um, uh, I think it traded 620 after the earnings came out. And then... We decided to hit it wrong, and now it's back up. It's like, so it's probably close to a 130-point move. Um, pretty interesting. Tomorrow, uh, before tomorrow's show, I will calculate all the new PE ratios and revenue per share. I mean, the stock is still pretty darn high, although 
And I, I, you know, I, I don't know why. I don't, I don't trust this chairman. I'm sure it's just totally wrong on my part, but I don't know why I don't. Maybe because I saw that podcast about somehow padding the uh, the, uh, the the order stream or something. I don't know if that's correct or not, but it's, it's unusual to see something like that about a place because I know a couple of companies that did that back in the day, but I'm not accusing them of doing it. I'm just saying there, there are rumors about, but rumors could just be that, rumors. Over in Europe... We have the DAX up 242, 1.4%. FTSE up 12.1. It's not very much there. The CAC runs up 84, 1.1%. So somehow the the the, the uh, justification of Nvidia's price the day after the Palo Alto fiasco is uh, um, well, caused the markets to go pretty crazy here. Over in Asia, we've got the NICAP 863. That's 2.2%. Uh, 39,000 so surpasses all-time high, hitting 18, 1989. Um, Hang Seng up 239. It's 1.5%, 16,742. No no longer in the 15,000 range. Uh, Shanghai didn't quite make it to 3,000, but 2988 up 37, 1.3%. So the world is celebrating this company. And it's got places like Meta up 12 bucks. It's got Microsoft up 7. So the, the, the valuations that, that people have been questioning in all these stocks, evidently, with the huge increase in revenue and, and profits, is considered now to be justified today. I mean, you know, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Uh, bonds unchanged 4.32. The bond unchanged 2.45. Japan unchanged 0.72. We have oil down 21 cents, 77.80. Kind of in this new range of 79 to 75-ish. Brent down 22 cents, 82.81. Natural gas down 5 cents, 172. Arbob down a penny, 227. We have the U.S. dollar. I'm against the, uh, the euro is... Uh, Actually, yeah, same thing, 108.5. So it's right in that 108 range. It's been stuck there. Pound, same way, 1.1267. It's kind of banging back from four between 126 and 127. Gold, uh, up 420, 2038, so just a little more than yesterday. Silver up 22 cents. That's a full percent, 2310. It was down the other day, seemingly, and no reason. Now it's coming right back up. Copper up a penny, uh, 3.88. And we have Bitcoin up 513, 51,517. A lot of stuff there. Whichever one of you guys is doing traffic weather sports, go ahead. Morning, everyone. 636 here in Chicago. 45 right now. It's 50 today, mostly cloudy. Um, some sun a little bit later. Phoenix, 52 right now, mostly sunny today. Pleasant, a high of 75. Traffic, inbound Kennedy from Montrose, 9 minutes. Inbound uh, from Lake Cook, it's 22 minutes. Inbound Ike from Wolf, 15 minutes. The Ryan from 95th to the interchange is 17 minutes in the inbound. Stevenson, 294 to the Ryan is 21 minutes. Sports, NHL, the Hawks lose. That was here at home. Philadelphia beat them. That was 3-1. to one. College basketball, DePaul lost in a real close one to uh, number 7 Marquette. That was 71-105. to 105. And number 12, Illinois, upset by Penn State. And that was by 1. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um... Lou, finish your thought, and then I want to ask you about this uh, article today about these uh, space nukes that evidently Washington and Moscow are now fighting about. Well, I was just, the thought I was making was that if you don't understand logistics, and, and we we have ignored logistics to some extent, not to the extent the Russians have, you're going to be looking at the kind of situation that the, that the Russians are looking at in Ukraine. Lou, is some, of that, is, some of that have to do, uh, I'm not going to blame it on you know some guy from years ago, but Mike uh, Murphy always talks about Rumsfeld's love with just-in-time inventory 
we're still kind of working our way out of that. Is that, is that still still an issue, you think? I, I mean, it is to the extent that we have, you know, fairly significant budget constraints that, that and, and... Well, we're, we're broke. That's what happens when you have budget constraints, when you're that's broke. Right. That's right. That's a polite way of saying we can't pay for it. So, so the, the military has budget constraints, and, and if you're buying, if it's a choice of buying, you know, a, a shiny new fighter or a new, uh, you know, new weapon system versus buying a supply aircraft, guess which one, guess which one gets the emotional push? You don't get to be a, a general on a, on a supply aircraft. Not, not By normal, pushing that, yeah. And, and, and so, and so, you know, the, the focus and, and the other factor, of course, is, you know, where you can spread those contracts around. So, so these all factor into how we how we buy our stuff um but but we have you know we have it, it's been a it's been a long time since we've had to worry about somebody hitting us from the air um we've had un, uncontested air superiority over over all the battlefields since uh, since korea and and this is going to be you know we're going to have to adjust to this the fact the fact that our low-tech enemies can can give us Battlefield problems with air attacks is is a, a new reality, and we have to deal with it, and, and we have to deal with it in a cost-effective way. We're getting there, uh, but again, use, what you're seeing is, you know, is new technology designed for one thing, which is shooting down ballistic missiles, which we're doing, uh, but but having to adapt that against something entirely differently, and it's going to take it. There's a little bit of catch-up there. There probably shouldn't be. This was not a surprise that we were going to face this kind of attack. Uh, but we're, we're playing a little bit of catch-up in terms of our technology. Right now, our technology is flexible enough that we can deal with these issues, but in a very expensive way. What uh, if a couple of dudes like you and I are sitting there, whether we'd be sitting in the White House or Pentagon or someplace, and say, we need a because what we're seeing, and I'm not, I'm not at all accusing us of not having this happening, some guys are sitting in a room saying, all right, this is what's coming at us, this is what we have, they don't necessarily match. How do we get either more of what's working better, like you say, the, the the planes that are shooting the stuff out, or how do we all of a sudden get some drone killer drones? Given what you sent me, I'm trying to tie this together if I can, Lou. Given what you sent all of us on the show two weeks ago regarding all the combinations in the the defense industry, I mean, you can't just go to the, the Northrum Skunk, Skunk Works. I mean, who, who do you go for this kind of a solution through, I mean, it has to be somewhat through the private sector. How do you, how do you even know who, who's closest to the tech? I mean, where, where can you go to get something like this done in six months and not six years? I mean, I, uh, who, who Dar- even figures DARPA. this? Oh. The organization outfit called DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and 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 there are some spinoffs from from DARPA's process, but that is a rapid acquisition, cutting edge, a rapid acquisition cutting-edge technology development entity and, and and I promise you DARPA has already been working on this issue for several years and when I say working on it they've been letting contracts to the private sector as well as working within their own their own military are these the guys are, that Mike talks about in Florida or is that the central command that's in Florida CENTCOM's in uh, CENTCOM is, is headquartered at McDill or was headquartered at McDill in Florida. Okay, no, that's what he's talking no, about. No, this is a different. This is a different group. Dar- DARPA is an experimental, you know, gee whiz, Buck Rogers kind of weapons development operation. But they do and they operate in a in a very 
uh, high level of sort of experimentation and and funding, they will throw con they they've been throwing contracts out, for example, for years on something called a rail gun that the Navy was trying to develop and has sort of stopped. Um, they they've been throwing out money at, at lasers and directed energy weapons for for a long time. Uh, they are the ones that have helped Israel fund Iron Dome and the development of Iron Dome. And uh, so these are the guys. If somebody, sh if all of a sudden somebody gets shot with a bullet nobody's ever seen before, these are the guys that look at that bullet and say, "All right, how do we how do we combat it?" Yeah, and 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 they've got, you know, they're they're very they're very specialized. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of flexibility in terms of their budgeting process. Um, and so now where where does that come from? Just some some umbrella thing, or do they, you know, I'm not. I, I, I still hope, I, maybe it's just a hope, Lou, that on, on some of the committees in Congress, and I know uh, one of the guys here in Chicago, uh, my, my guy is on the, the deep, dark committee on the, on the uh, why do I not, well, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, I mean, when, when, you, when you have, you know, a couple hundred mil, which is this going to cost at least for some of the stuff, I mean, I don't even know what the stuff is, do these guys have the, the quick meeting with the you know the four Democrats and the four Republicans that actually have a brain cell working and and and, and move it forward or or does this no, have no they don't they don't that would take too long okay they, but I'm the, saying there's no there's no quick way to do something like this with Congress involved no this is all DARPA and and again I'm I'm comfortable in saying this because I've seen the the technology articles that have been coming out about it DARPA has been working on this problem for. Ten years. Okay, but I'm saying they have some sort of an umbrella budget that covers this stuff. Yeah, they have the discretion to to fund various projects. Now they report to Congress and tell Congress to the extent that they can. Well, they got to be over budget after this, after Ukraine. I mean, if it's a ten year deal, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, again, they don't. They're not looking necessarily to field a, a weapon system right away coming out of DARPA's efforts. What they're looking at is is developing the technology okay. and then turning it over. It, they work literally in a partnership with, with defense contractors, and then they of turn which it over there's to five contractors. Left. Pardon me. Of which there's like five left after. Yeah, but they're but they're very capable. You know, it's a very capable five. Okay, so I, I get it. They'll turn it. They'll turn it over to these guys and say, "Get us, you know, get here. Here's here's some lines of promising research. Turn this over to your boffins and get this thing get this thing up to speed." How did how did the and, you've you've said. Well, you said a lot of stuff since you've been on the show. You, you, you don't know what I'm saying in, in terms of the. the some of it's actually been correct. No, like but, the, my but some of the Kansas City shooters last yeah, year. Yeah, well, my, well, my, I guess my my question is the 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 big to catch the listeners up on this. Lou sent us out a history of the last was it 20 years, Lou, or 30 oh, no, years? No, it's uh, since the 60s up until about okay, 2004. Of all the all the combinations in the in the defense industry, and you know, like Boeing has like 10 of them, and, and Lockheed has, you know, 12 of them, and, and, and yet you also have said that a lot of the people that are designing some of the the more uh, innovative stuff are even almost like mom-pop places around Denver. How do those people connect with DARPA, or are they, are they totally out of that loop? They, so, so, the interconnectivity between these agencies and these companies is astounding. Oh, it's good. So okay, it's good. And, and so, and so, <clears throat> for example, one of my one of my clients is a metallurgy operation here outside of Denver, and and it's it's comprised of guys I think in their early thirties, 
who are who are you know advanced with advanced degrees in metallurgy. Um, it it literally is a what fifteen twenty person operation. Oh, do they <laughs> they make but the metals there? or They just design it. They they do both. Okay. So so they have they've reached they reach out to DARPA they reach out to uh, DOD they apply for grants. Uh, the minute they do that, they come to the attention of a bunch of other entities that are looking around, going, "We need this kind of technology." These guys are doing it now. They they may ultimately get acquired by somebody. I don't. I don't. I assume that's where this will ultimately end up, so that they can do their work at scale. But for right now, well, then you should get paid are, in stock. I'm sure they are paying their people in stock. I'm talking about you. Oh no, they're 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 probably paying these guys you know a, a reasonable wage, but also stock for for the sale. They are uh, working on stuff that is as high end as you can imagine you know they, they're designing pieces for nasa they're designing parts and, and metals for uh, for dod they're they're doing stuff for commercial aircraft you know and and this they're they're part of this pipeline that's feeding into the uh you know the ultimate production of weapon systems that are that are going to defend us yeah, I, I find but, this absolutely me, fascinating go, because me, they're developing stuff that, that maybe the DARPA guys doesn't even know is available, so there really does need to be a, t- a communication thing back and forth so DARPA even knows what to order because they don't even know what's available. Oh, it, it's much it's much more it's much more well developed than that. They typically will start a project, and then they will as as they start it, they will reach out to DARPA or their contacts at DARPA or one of the other major companies that they're that they're contracting with, and say, hey, we think we can do this throw some money at us and there it goes the money comes in so so there's there's a very uh, short lead time between the time they think about something and start to work on it and make it and it looks like it's good and the time that they're out telling the powers that be this might work we need some money for development okay so let me let me which morphs me nicely into the Soviet or Russian sorry Russian space weapon deal that was leaked last week. What it looks like the Russians are either about to do or may have already done, and of course, I trust absolutely nothing coming out of the public organs of the administration. This is right up there with the Chinese balloon that wasn't really a balloon. Yeah, yeah, it was not a threat. Um, well, it's in there siphoning up every bit of information we've got over these these targets. Um, what it looks like the, they're talking about, and the first comment was, well, they're going to put a nuclear weapon in space. Well, uh, you know, I don't, we don't think they're going to do that because that would violate the Outer Space Treaty of 1968. And, and I was going to say there is there was a treaty back in the day, even when we were, we were even worse enemies than we are now. Not right. to put nuclear weapons in space, correct? Right. Not to not to put nuclear nuclear bombs now. Um, but and, and so that's one issue. The second issue is you put a nuclear weapon in space and you detonate it. You know, it's going to destroy all our satellites. It destroys everybody's satellites. Well, that's Russian, what I was saying. Chinese, it, it wipes Russia. out communication of everybody. What what it looks like is is more likely is that they have developed or in, and are about to field some kind of nuclear powered um, weapon that will fire you know directed energy. At selected targets and selectively, you know, disable them or knock them out without 
creating the kind of explosive debris field that you you saw in uh, gravity and some other places when a when a an anti-satellite weapon to date anyway um is is used so you don't want uh, unless you're truly you know going to destroy everything up there uh including our anybody's ability to use space you don't want to go around blowing up satellites because you create these huge debris fields that stay in orbit and then and then damage anything else that that happens to be in their orbital in their orbital path it's it's too non-selective what you want is a weapon that would disable like like an, like a an directed energy weapon that would disable selectively your your targets leave them intact so you don't have a big debris field issue flying around and um but but that would be effective in blinding or neutralizing the ability to make use of your global positioning system for example or your reconnaissance satellites or your early warning satellites or your communication systems and that's what it appears they have done um, in terms of, of developing a weapon system or at least that's the best that's the best guess well, can't you knock, a can't you knock a satellite out with a, with a fighter I'm sorry can't you knock a satellite out with a fighter well we have done that we have we have knocked out a satellite using a fighter firing a, a specially modified missile but that that's not what you want to have happen again that creates a huge debris okay so you, you, you want to have a phaser like in Star Trek where the guy just disappears and there's no bloody body in the ground so, so I don't know if you remember uh, the Reagan administration's uh, Star Wars system. Yeah, well, that, I, I, I remember the name. I don't remember exactly what the technology was of it. Okay, well, the, the technology that was being developed at the time was something like what I just described, a, a, a pulsed energy weapon that would, for example, be, be uh, powered by a small nuclear detonation in space. That, that energy would then, from the, from the detonation, would then be channeled into a number of focal points in the weapon that would then blast out uh, high-energy beams of radiation toward, toward incoming warheads and effectively scramble their guidance systems so that they, they basically are rendered inert. If you can do that for, for uh, ballistic missiles, you can certainly do it for satellites. And again, Imagine what would happen to us. It would be a very serious thing for, for us in terms of our weapon, our warfighting capability if suddenly our entire GPS system was knocked offline or, or our entire satellite communication system was knocked offline. Um, so, you know, that would be... That would be is, is, everything, is everything run like that? I mean, weren't the... Uh, and this is probably more than you want to say, but we're like the original cruise missiles program with all the topography didn't they go by themselves or they are they all yes Turcom, terrain contour matching guidance and we still have that um they also used a combination you, you i mean we back in the day you know inertial guidance was a was the thing we had to i had to spin up our inertial guidance system on our on our navigation computers so that that we could detect you know or get within a mile or two of where the aircraft actually was and that we, we haven't used that for a long time because, again, of GPS. But DARPA has continued to fund inertial guidance systems because, as you noted, those are autonomous. They're internal. We don't have to. We don't have to talk to anybody else, or uh, to know exactly exactly where we are. And the guidance on those things, you know, it used to be a box about the size of a bread maker or a, um, a, a coffee machine. It's now down to something the size of a nickel. 
and and the, the inertial guidance system and you can install that on almost anything and it'll it'll give you reasonably good um, accuracy with respect to your position you know within I mean it's not GPS type accuracy but but it'll give you reasonably good accuracy within you know a couple of hundred yards and then you fix you know you fix your position with something else like a radar fix or a, a, a visual a video so like in the movie where the guys put the 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 dot on the bronco and the, and the smart bomb made it and landed on the bronco um not quite it it, it has to do with a so you're you're flying along and you've got this inertial system that that tells you okay here's your actual position and you know that it's good within you know a hundred like two hundred meters all right you know what there's a there's a so there's a four hundred meter bubble around you where you're that you could be located but you're within that four hundred meter bubble all right so now you use something else to identify a building a road intersection a mountain range a, a, an inlet on a lake. Or a bend in a well, river. it could be it could be somebody on the ground putting a target on it, right? It 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 could be, but you don't want that because you have to install right. to have somebody on the ground. So so you incorporate into the weapons guidance system some other cue, like a visual, like a camera, a high definition camera that can look out, or a, a, a scanning electrically scanned radar that looks out of the nose of the aircraft and, or the missile and says, okay. I know I'm within 400 meters here. Now there should be a building that looks like this, and if I can find that building, I will know exactly where I am within that 400 meter bubble. Whatever happened to the uh, the Chinese with the, the huge advanced uh, um, laser stuff where they were supposed to be able to hit a satellite? Did they give up on that? I I don't I haven't seen anything on that, but you know, ground-based lasers can certainly blind satellites if you've got enough. Because they were they were 10 years ago. That's Every time you read something about the Chinese, they're always talking about their they were spending lasers, billions on lasers that. through the atmosphere at any distance are a real problem because of dust and clouds and, and beam distortion. You're much better firing a laser in space. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not sure that that's proved fruitful. But um, it, it's, but it's pretty hard for uh, looking at what's happening to this Nvidia this morning. How much it's pretty hard for investors that. Especially, you know, like a, a firm like ours. I mean, who's who's in tune with who's getting all these contracts? I guess my question is: there is there a uh, you know anybody who puts out advice on which which firm? If some firm got a big contract for something today, how would anybody know about it enough to be able to buy buy stock in the place? Well, Google Google would tell you that. Uh, number one, you should be able to track you know track put a tracker on Google and, and monitor. Some of these uh, entities, um, the uh, what is it, the the Defense Commerce Daily or whatever it is, has, okay. a, has a constant reporting on on who's getting what awards. But but again, look look at what's going on in the Red Sea. Who's manufacturing those missiles that we that we're expending so quickly? Who's manufacturing the radar that guides them? Who's manufacturing the the uh, the vessels that that we're going to have to put together to resupply these these ships? Um, yeah, who's manufacturing the air-to-air missiles? That well, it sounds to me, there. if I'm standing on one of these ships, and what are these, these are mostly uh, destroyers, or, I mean, I, and and all of a sudden we have 30 of these things, and we're down to like three left. I'm not so sure I want to be in that ship standing there. What happens if we're well, out? Well, the ship, the, ship has, the ship has other means of destroying these things as they come in. Well, they've got the cannons and all the other stuff, but yeah, it's still... I, exactly. So, But, I mean, what we talked about earlier, 
are we talking, you know, 400 miles in a ship to go get reloaded? That's a, that's a ways. Could be. Yep. Well, then you got to worry about getting gas or diesel or yep. whatever you're using. Yep. You got to, that, that all, this is why logistics is so crucial. It all comes together in this. Um, let me, let me just note real quick. Uh, I was right about the Kansas City shooting yet the last week and, and what, you know, who the, the players were. Well, it's, um, um wait, 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 the two guys got arrested. What else was involved? Well, I mean, I mean, remember, I, they weren't reporting on it directly, right? Uh, and it, it's, I said, the narrative. If they're not reporting the identity of these guys, the narrative is is not what the mainstream press wants, and so there, it won't. That that story will start to disappear, and and it did. Um, the other thing I wanted to note is. The Bears have hired uh, a female running backs coach, which I think is really interesting. And I was going to try to have it. I really can't talk fully about it here because I only got two minutes. But I was going to talk some about what you know what's going on in the NFL and and why on earth you would you would hire somebody like this. I mean, she was with the Commanders, and you know I I would just say this is a classic example of of DEI. You know, moving moving into its normal range here. Um, she, she's, you know, she had some time playing in, in a female football league. She's been a police officer. She's done a bunch of other kind of non-football stuff. And you you have to look at this and say, okay, is this the most qualified? This is the most qualified person we could find to, to coach our running backs. Um, just just an interesting. Just well, the football is making side. so much money, they're going to be susceptible to stuff like this. But uh, I do have a... Uh, well, the Bears one, might as well try it. They've tried everything else. Yeah, I do have one, one question. Uh, my my guys uh, that I meet with once in a while now, since the Judge Tuman died, we're not as tight of a group. But uh, and, uh, Judge Tuman was the head of the uh, uh, ju- juvenile court here for a long, for a long time. And uh, Illinois has this... Um, you wouldn't know it, uh, but some of the toughest gun laws in the country in terms of mandatory sentencing and stuff, if you're over 18. And if you're under 18, the juvenile system, I mean, they used to give some of the people you're talking about would be all over to him if he, if he wouldn't let a 16-year-old out after he just shot two, two people or something. He'd say, well, what do you mean? You should send him, like, home. Well, a home, obviously, is not much of a deterrent. Uh, but... Do, are we going to have to do something about the laws, Lou? It seems like the the two two eighteen year olds running around now always have the fourteen year old carrying the guns for them. I mean, are are we going to have to change this, or are we going to how, how? It seems like the 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 people have adapted to the laws, where somebody's always a juvenile. Like even the well, Kansas guys, City thing, the one you guys kids. Are letting, you guys are letting people loose, you know, with no bail. You might try putting. You might try putting. Start by putting the eighteen-year-olds in jail. Well, that's that's one radical, side of the coin. Concept. Right, that's a concept. I know. We got a dash, but it's one side of the coin. The other is, and I wish you'd have, you'd have been there. Uh, one of my guys just won a. My guys. One of my friends just won a murder case. A uh, man was found not guilty, and I said, "Well, was he really innocent?" Which, of course, you're not supposed to ask. And he said, "Yeah, he was innocent." <laughs> uh, six years in jail. Because they couldn't figure out a way to prosecute them, that's not right either, Lou. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, but that's not right either. 
I'm I'm at this stage. I'm willing I'm willing to have occasionally an an occasional case like that. It's an injustice, and that guy deserves I think some kind of reparation. But I'm willing to to tolerate a very 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 occasional case like I, that. I'm not so sure getting most of these guys off the streets. Well, we're, we're going to get a new attorney general here, or whatever, not attorney general, but state's attorney. State's but, attorney. But uh, the idea of one and a half to two years to get your trial because all the people there are quitting. That's a long time to wait, Lou. Yeah, that's a different problem than the shooter, though. I agree. Uh, Lou, take care. Next week you're out, right? We'll, we're out on yep. Thursday. We're going to have you probably Wednesday or Friday. We haven't decided yet, but we'll, everybody will get their Lou fix, including me. Lou, uh, take care of yourself. Uh, SP Futures up 61. NASDAQ Futures up 350. In a minute, we'll have Mr. Dan Janitas talk all about this market. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. Rick Pappas on the board. SV Futures up 61. NASDAQ Futures up 352. Do we have the professor, Dan Janitas? Yes, you do. Um, Dan, how are you? Let me, uh, let me, yeah. let me give you a, a quick story of how screwed up things are this morning. Not screwed up in any kind of a real way, but all of a sudden last, I have a, I have a uh, backup phone, a little flip phone. It looks like a burner phone, but it's not. It's actually a real phone. And uh, last night, I didn't even know where the hell the thing was. It's at 3.30 in the morning, it starts chirping every 10 seconds, or every 10 minutes. I'm going, what in God's name to finally I get up and go find the damn thing? I, can't, I cannot figure out what's wrong with it. There's no alarm so set. So in, in your defense, Chief, um, there is a national outage right. of a whole bunch of carriers, and 911 is actually down for, for some people. So, so Dan, I get a little, so I cannot, I'm sitting there trying to figure out on this little dinky phone where, like, no, doesn't do anything. I can't figure out where this alarm is coming from. Right, so I come in and I, my my two guys, my tech guys, they go, you got to figure out what's wrong with this thing, because <laughs> it's just going. It, and I all of a sudden I said, well, my other one works, so I go to my my real phone, that doesn't work either. It's an hour, so I kick up CNBC on uh, the, the internet, or uh, first thing it says is huge AT and T outage in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> evidently, evidently a little phone when there's an outage tells you about it, where the big one doesn't. And it, and it keeps telling you about it. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Those have been happening quite a bit lately. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, so they got some picture of some guys working on some towers somewhere. Evidently, Houston, Chicago, and San Francisco, AT&T is pretty much out. That's wild. Oh, wow. wow. That's a pretty wide space. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the, um, some, you know, sometimes that happens when there's upgrades. And if the upgrades hadn't been fully, fully um installed then and you know then you'll have these outages but uh yeah it seems to be more and more um and and uh yeah i mean communication here is really important so we rely on uh, we rely on this it gets uh, well right before i went out i got this message from one of my deep deep uh, deep dive gnomes 
Dan Janitas bought 5,000 shares of NVIDIA at 642 last night. <laughs> now it's up 120 bucks from there. Yeah, crazy, huh? The, the uh, you know, and this kind of goes to the theme that we've been talking about, the, you know, this whole get out ahead of the AI because you're going to miss, you know, like that fear of missing out. I mean, AI, AI is going to be here for a while, but there's so much hype from so many different firms and, and you know, all in, in, all in a way that I think is just, I'm getting to a point that I would go as far as saying it's being overdone. It does not mean, however, that there aren't a lot of opportunities there. But again, as we talked last week and we've been talking about this for a while now, you can't just jump from a thought into like a fully executed strategy for AI. There's still a lot of steps to go along the way and the both both the tech field, and as I continue to talk to more people in the tech field, and I've been doing a lot of interviewing with CEOs and actually friends who who you know are in different management functions for different tech firms, and they're all saying the exact same thing in their space. They're seeing too much, uh, you know, like this this crazy amount of over enthusiasm that that we're going to flip this switch and suddenly everything's going to be AI and that everything that's going to be AI is going to be running very smoothly and that is not going to happen it, it has not happened in any other within any other technology in a, in a straight line it's you know there's going to be um, some ups and downs during this period there's going to be some winners and losers in this period and when I say that I refer to the companies who are involved everyone is jumping on the bandwagon um you know the next thing you know you're gonna have there's just about there are very few uh fields and in, in industries that have not been using ai as their their leading um indicator for you know potential growth or or, or you know extensive growth over a period of time so with with uh nvidia getting their earnings with their earnings coming out it was only going to be read as positive I did not hear anything negative from any of the reports. Well, it's not, it's not traded down forty bucks instantly. But then it rebounded. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. You had to be you had to be quick like a bunny to get it down there. You do. You actually have to respond really quickly. But and then you have that fear of missing out. And and the thing I would want the listeners to know is that you got to be really careful investing in this time, and you've got to be really careful to know that there's really understand the company and understand when the best time to step in and oftentimes it's not at the initial um, during this initial pop um, you might be able to make a little money in this initial pop but there are going to be some ups and downs in this stock and in other stocks that are that are AI related and it's going to happen just because it happens in every business but it's going to happen over a period of time and I can promise you that time period is going to be longer than what our as I mentioned last week, less than patient investors have been um, looking at. You know, we're, we we have to kind of we have to temper our expectations and realize that this new phenomenon of AI is wonderful and has so many great great um, uses. And it's going to be you know this you know, but it's in the talk phase still. It's not. Well, well that's where the that's where the value is. It's like the cloud. It was it was, it was in the talk it was in the talk phase. Exactly, and 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 I think though that you have got to be willing to weather the ups and downs. Well, I, uh, uh, Jan, Dan, you and I have been talking with, with various themes, but all really kind of on the same subject. And uh, I've been constantly trying to bring to the table, which is hard to do in any kind of a growth phase. It's hard to do when the Fed's putting yes. money in, but someplace, somewhere, there does there does always not always well usually. I mean, up till now, 
there's kind of a come to Jesus moment on valuation at some point somewhere, and nobody knows when that's going to be, or who's going to do it, or whatever. But what and we you know we've identified actually very close to 2,000. Uh, we've identified a lot of stocks now that are carrying the market. It's seven, maybe plus one or two, and uh, they uh, they have a valuation that is traditionally pretty high. Um, doesn't mean. But it doesn't mean that one or two or three aren't absolutely justified. It may turn out to be this company that's bigger than God going forward, but it's probably not going to happen to all seven because uh, it's just, you know, I think it's impossible for the country or the world to grow that fast. I mean, we're talking about what the, the NVIDIA and two or three other stocks are, are more than the entire Chinese stock market. I mean, yeah, you know, when you start talking about those, those sorts of things. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is this morning the thing I'm a little worried about is not that NVIDIA appears with their revenue and stuff to at least be justifying some of the hype by the fundamentals. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a blanket, in, in my opinion, a blanket, uh, everything's okay with these high valuations, say, in like Meta. I mean, how this affects Meta up 2.5%, I'm not exactly sure. Or Microsoft, or Tesla, or Amazon. I mean, how, how does this help, you know, how, how does... NVIDIA growing a little bit into their incredibly expensive stock historically and maybe going to grow into it totally, how does that mean Amazon's going to do the same? It's not a, in my opinion, a universal justification for high prices. I absolutely agree. It, 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 and just because one company is, is getting this attention and getting this, you know, the, the we're seeing expectations um, that maybe, and I, I believe they are kind of being overdone at this point it certainly doesn't mean that that applies um you know to the other 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 big seven or to any other company in the industry that even mentions the word ai it doesn't matter what business you're in but as soon as you hear that word mentioned it's like the stock pops up <laughs> and and i just want to say that to to investors really get to know the the listeners get to know these companies as we do we are talking to the, the CEOs. We are talking to in, the people in the industry. I'm talking to both friends and professionals at senior levels in these companies and really trying to get a good feel. When these guys are all saying the same thing across the board, it's going to take time. There's a lot of hype. They try to temper expectations with pe people within their industry. Um, and then you know we have to deal with the other side of that, which is the investment side. And we're hearing... People say, yeah, this is a great bet. And a lot of these people haven't truly done their homework the way we do and and dug deep and talked to the CEOs and, and understand some of the challenges that they're going to be facing as we move into um, more and more AI over time. It's They're great ideas, but you don't, you know, if you're a good investment person, a great idea isn't often enough to make a great investment and to make a lot of money. You have to know when to get in and when to get out. And you know, and for me, stepping in slowly is good. Stepping in when there's a sell-off is good. If you have a long-term um, positive view of this company, but look at valuations, look at some of the um, the the you know the, the headwinds. There's mostly tailwinds, but look at some of the headwinds. The other thing that's important to point out right now, which does dovetail to a certain degree with what we're discussing. Uh, short-term rates. Now we had the same thing happen, the exact same thing happened with the expectations getting overblown 
that there were going to be rate cuts. Well, all of a sudden, now we have a good PCE number, a good CPI number, stronger than expected, and the consensus is this is going to be slow, slower than expected. It won't be March. There was, Chief, there was, as you know, so much confidence that we were going to have a, a cut next month. Dan, where did where did that come from? I, I never saw that in the in the, in the I, stars anywhere. I absolutely agree with you. It is some um, investors in some press just pushing something and pushing something, just the same way that they're pushing and pushing AI without really knowing, you know, the steps that get it there, the steps that it's going to take to get a sustainable change. Not just a little blip up, not just a momentum movement, a movement based on momentum. But now what's happened is, and this is a good thing for investors, and this has been a good opportunity for our clients, is we were buying two-month, two-month T-bills at 565 just the other day. Wow. So, So that is the thing that people aren't really paying attention to. But rates on the short end have ticked up, creating an opportunity for us investors, particularly creating an opportunity for our, us investors who are actively managing T-bills. In other words, looking for which... Well, the, the, TN, the TNX was up a chunk yesterday, and I don't think it's going to be coming down today. So when I mean, you have these you know, uh, stocks keep going up, up, up in terms of prices... I mean, the, the the you know the interest rate going up is is a is a buffer to that rise at some point. I mean, uh, you know, I don't I don't see these stocks hanging here if this TNX is six percent. It's it's amazing, and and the corporate bonds are you know double B rated corporate bonds hovering around six percent, and you're looking at five sixty five on a two two month T bill. It's sort of a no no brainer. I mean, if you can keep that extra credit risk out of your portfolio, why not? I mean, if you were getting paid for it, then it makes sense. Same thing in the municipal bond market. The municipal bond market has rallied really nicely in just the last couple of weeks. And this is something you see because it's a lot less liquid, but all of a sudden when, you know, when you see this rally and you see like, you know, five and 10 point jumps in the prices of some municipal bonds that are high quality bonds, that sort of flight to um, you know safety, flight to quality, flight to people looking for tax uh, tax advantages in their in their taxable accounts now because of the you know it's coming close to tax season. Um, but the, the you see in this nice rally in both both corporates and municipals. I keep going back to short term and in particular two month T bills as a, as a nice place to hold some some um, powder or. A nice place to actually have a good allocation that is risk-free, and if you want to take some money and put it out in some other names to round out your portfolio, do it. But be patient and make sure that your time horizon isn't tomorrow. Well, <laughs> it's a uh, it's interesting, Dan, when you say uh, risk-free. Okay, now by definition, um, Dan is. I'm going to ask you about this. So, Dan is correct. Matter of fact, when I took my, I don't. It's been so long since I took my Series Seven, but I think in there somewhere back, how many years ago that was, Dan? There was like a definition that you weren't even supposed to mention that a U.S. government uh, security might not be risk-free, and yet we both know nothing is risk-free. I mean, not uh, not th- I mean there's always a, the risk is. Uh, well, I have two two questions of this one. 
The risk is if for some reason the Fed decides to pour you know, even more money in, I'm not saying they will or they won't, uh, almost by 1980 standards, and all of a sudden we get a spike in vault or in a in CPI. CPI will never see it, but in real inf- uh, inflation to like 10 or 12 percent, which it really was even more than that during the COVID era. Uh, the five percent that you are for sure going to get for five and a half for six months, you're losing at in terms of buying power. So the, you do have that risk. I mean, it, I, I'm saying it's not very much in a six month deal. That's why Dan. That's really why Dan keeps telling people not to go much further than that because if you, you go out six years and you, and you do it at 5% or 6 and all of a sudden your inflation rate's 12, well, you've got a real problem uh, in terms of buying power. Um, but my question, this, this is, uh, I was just looking, I don't know why I did this to you. Know, I'm going to accuse you, you're the one who did this to me. Were you the one who caused me to look at the, uh, the Turkish situation? The money supply Possibly. and the inflation and whatever? I'm going to blame you since you're all the way down in Florida and can't okay. hit me. Uh, <laughs> I was just seeing this morning their interest rate is now 45%. Yes, I did notice that yesterday. Uh, Mike, we seem to have the inability here, uh, at least in the short term, of the government to cover any of these expenses. I'm not saying paying their bills. I'm saying cover the expenses. That's slightly different, but one could be a pre- predecessor of the other. Do you think that there is a risk here? any kind of appreciable risk that at the end of the year this year even though everybody's bleeding like goats about how the economy's in terrific shape when I think you and I know it really isn't uh, if the receipts continue to lag at the federal government level to where we're doing another trillion or two this year and, and is, is there a chance that they're going to end up having to throw so much money manufactured money at the system just to pay bills that we're going to see not Turkey, but maybe 1980 runaway 10, 12, 14% inflation. I think there is that risk. I hope it's small, but there yeah, is that I risk. Would, yeah, I would definitely agree with you that there's, I think, and for a couple of reasons. One is that that risk has not been, um, you know, exposed, if you will, or discussed at any length because we are in an election year, right? So so this has been a period that, that you know, the focus has been on, on what's going right. And, you know, the, the talk has been um, the fact that we've had, uh, you know, we've brought down, um, we've improved the supply chains, we've brought down inflation, although we really haven't brought down inflation as much as I think the Fed had expected at this point. Well, we haven't brought down price levels at all. Right. We have not brought down price levels. And if anybody on this call is, is listening just go to your grocery store just go to your your local uh, restaurant or your pub or bar and and you realize that prices just not have not come down dan we've been on we've we've talked about autos sometime in the past i have a a, i have a new to me truck just for for bleeps and grins i I was looking at some uh you know what what are the best tires today to put on which i don't need them the tires are okay but if i ever did they're a solid 40 to 45 percent higher than they were the last time I bought them three years ago. Easy, easy. Yeah, I had a, a problem with, with my laptop last week. I, I accidentally spilled some water when I was at the, I was having a drink of water and it spilled on my keyboard. And you, you, can say, like, you can say cocktail. You don't have to turn it to water. <laughs> yeah, I could. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely say cocktail, but I, in this case it was water. But, but um, I had the same thing happen maybe a few years ago, and this was the repair work. It was just my keyboard that needed to be replaced 
triple, not double, triple the price. And the, and the guys at the place that I brought it into asked for a tip. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm just thinking, I don't know, where am I? You know? <laughs> I'll give you a tip. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> don't have a glass of water by the laptop when you're working. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the stuff you never even thought of. I mean, why would you, unless you, just, unless you need them, why would you even look at tires, right? I mean, uh, Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, 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 and, and they are things you need. And, and you, you know, you get in a situation where you don't have other options, but... Uh, interesting, you know, we were talking about uh, NVIDIA and the tailwinds and the explosive growth and, and you know, the rah-rah-rah the on this whole uh, scene, just like everybody's, you know, kind of following the, you know, I feel like the pack is just following the next, you know, the next hot area without really looking at the details. But no, I don't know if you missed this, but during the midst of the, you know, the, the NVIDIA um, results, Rivian came out yesterday and they were down like 13 yeah. So here, here is another. Um, you know, this is the truck uh, company that the EV truck company basically, and they, you know, the the company itself has had some issues with their management and the, you know, their business plan and all that. But you know, again, it, this was the next um, uh, leap forward to um, moving into EV exclusively, and it's not happening in a straight line. It's not a straight line up. I mean, there are definitely there's definitely going to be some issues and then there's competition certainly from the other you know um big three and so there's there's uh you know i think it's just important to pay attention to everything and not get too focused on just those areas that seem to be getting the most attention from the press and from the talking heads look past some of those um you know the some of the nvidias and look to some of those other names that are really important to sustain our economy and and look at, as your suggestion, Chief, and I totally agree, look at where uh, inflation is and where prices are in those levels because the Fed is telling us, and I think this is smart, and I do agree with them, price stability is their primary goal. So we're going to need to have price stability before we have any other cuts. And they, and they, yeah. they keep, as Janet Yellen said <clears throat> two weeks ago, and boy, I don't believe her for a nanosecond. Uh, she, <laughs> um, she said they're not worrying about it because didn't they have like one month uh, last month or two months ago where the uh, wages and this is how how sneaky and how screwed up these people can be because we've had uh, the the labor statistics, I don't know if you listen in on, on Friday with Carl when we talked yeah. about this Dan, but yes, Carl digs into this pretty heavy and Janet Yellen came out technically was it was it last month or the month before where for the one month, where the CPI we had you know had a good month last month, it didn't have a good month. The the uh, hourly wages actually were up slightly more than the CPI. So she jumps on this errant statistic and says the price level we're not going to fight it basically because now wages are growing faster than the inflation. It'll it'll be okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but now, what Carl dug into, and this this is this is really scary, Dan, for somebody as old as me who, when you when you tell me you're making fifty bucks an hour, I immediately figure that's two grand a week. Uh, we can't do that anymore because because right. actually uh, last month the hourly wage was up, you know, at, a, at an okay pace, 
the weekly paycheck was actually down. Right. Yes. Which is, you know, I would never. Twenty years ago, if you if you would have said to me that can happen, I would say, how can that happen? Now it, it seems like it happens all the time. I don't. I mean, I don't. Even, I don't. I don't. But what? I mean, at some point here, I'm, I'm just doing some quick numbers here because I whatever I dug up here last year, when everybody says now this is a, the government's fiscal year is different than than uh, the regular calendar year. I think last year the uh, what do you call it? The, the government people paying taxes to the government was actually down from the year before. Now this year, for the first five months, receipts receipts to the federal government are actually up a little bit, but we're we're up. We're our, our deficit is four hundred million billion dollars more than it was last year. Right. So, so we're not we're not gaining at all here. We're losing. So it's we're it's. I mean, how how does the Fed how does the Fed cover this? The only way they're covering it. Is either by borrowing, which is just going to drive the interest rates up, especially at places like yep. China don't show, or you're going yep. to print it one or the other. Yep. Nope. Exactly. That it's it's the spending continues, and and that's that's part of this. Um, and the you know the, there's really no end in sight at this point in terms of in, in terms of the spending. And the other issue I think is just that because credit card debt has has increased so much. Oftentimes, that people forget that that is money. <laughs> that's you know, that's part of the program. It just because it's been put on credit, and the especially the household credit is just increased dramatically, and that is a concern in in all of this. Um, one or two other quick points I want to make out. Um, I, you know, I want to point out is that on the um, you know we've been talking about this trend to sort of follow. Um, you know what the Fed is doing next and the cuts and, and all that Larry Summer from Harvard I don't know if you heard this this past week but he's actually predicting an, a rate hike and he's one of the few and it's just interesting that he's looking at data and saying you know we, we need to do this because we do see these sustainable um, prices at this point we're not seeing disinflation we're not seeing um, you know the slowing and um, as much as you think and in certain areas we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, increases. Like I made the comment about, you know, getting my laptop repaired, and it was three, three times the price as it was two years ago. So there, there are certainly services um, and products, but services to a, to a larger degree that are continuing to charge more, and not for any um, necessary reason. You know, they're certainly taking advantage of the input costs that they have because those haven't gone up as much. But there, there, we're in this. A changing phase right now. It's also impacting in, in uh, employment, and I do know that there are more people working more hours. That's definitely across the board, and that's a good thing. But I don't think we've reached that equilibrium point yet. Well, they have uh, tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Or the money yes. supply for January yes. will come out, and, and that'll be help. That'll be helpful. And if it if it turns out that we're three months in a row to the plus side, I'm going to say they're not they're not even looking at inflation. They're not, not exactly, and I think I think a cut is is going to be not even. Maybe it'll come out of the discussion. You know, there's always going to be a few that'll continue to continue with that rhetoric um, for a period of time, but maybe that'll start coming out of the discussion. One other thing I want to point out is sort of a pat on the back or 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 a plug for this T bill strategy that we've been talking about for a long time. You know, two month T bills at five sixty five. Um, we were just buying these on Tuesday. 
this is a really good return. This is a really good risk-adjusted return. Um, just to, to remind the listeners that there's less interest rate risk. With sh- the shorter the bond, the shorter the T-bill, the less interest rate risk. Interest rate risk means that as interest rates go higher, the price of your bonds drop, and vice versa. When you brought your bonds go up, when interest rates go lower. So, <clears throat> with T bills, because they are so short term, there's virtually no um, interest rate risk. There's a little more interest rate risk on a one year than there would be on a three month. But on a two month T bill, even when rates are going higher, you can still see the price of your T-bill, your treasury bill, go up. Well, you, you can you can absorb it, Dan. I mean, that's, that's really the issue. Easily, I mean, You can easily absorb it. So you're pretty much, um, you know, you've taken out the, the, the duration risk, you've taken out the interest rate risk, and it's not a bad place to be. And I, I will continue to say it's a good place to be as rates continue to re- remain high on the short end and actually continue to track up. Plus, it's a good place to hold some powder. Dan, I have a couple of um, good-sized uh, potential clients I'm talking about this weekend with a special situation where they have to, it's a, you know, a big estate that is uh, uh, is not quite settled, but they want people to manage the money in the meantime. And I said, you got you got to stay in these T-bills. Absolutely. And if you're doing, um, I will say that, I'm not going to ruin it, we have to head here for John in a second, but Dan, I don't want to ruin anybody's weekend or week, but if ever you want to see your stomach turn, go back to the... 1970, late 70s, and look at not just where the rates were. It's it's one thing to say, God, they got to 12.5% or something. Uh, Look at the rapidity of the moves. Yes. Because I I, I remember the day, and I've said this a million times, I'll be quick, that uh, Robin and I, uh, the dear departed Robin, who just died a few weeks ago, unfortunately, uh, and, uh, and I were in this condo remodeling thing and she got us a bridge loan because she knew everybody at Continental Bank instead of a mortgage and in November I think we were 8.5% by May, one of the happiest days of my life we finally sold the place I think we were up to 14 in, in, in 6 months so don't think if there's an explosion in, in these rates that the, Reddit, the Fed is going to do a quarter point every 4 months or whatever the hell it is they were doing one pointers months in a row, right? Right. I mean, it, if, if all of a sudden this thing really blows, which I'm not predicting, so don't don't get yourself in, in an idea. I mean, when Dan says you have not much risk in two months, he's right. You have not much, very little, but it's not none. <laughs> right. But I yeah, it is none. It, there's never no risk. It's just risk. It's just it's our job really is managing risk. Well, it's risk. You didn't you didn't make more. You're still making something. Right. There's the opportunist yeah opportunity risk. Opportunity cost, absolutely. So, Dan, take care of yourself. By the way, you definitely owe, owe me adult beverage for sigging me to that Turkish site because I'm looking at that in horror now. <laughs> absolutely, you'll find a Turkish <laughs> adult beverage. <laughs> what, what do they drink over there? I, I, you know, I have no, I have no intention of ever going, so I'm never going to find out. Maybe if you go, you can tell me. I will. <laughs> okay. SP futures up 64, and Nasdaq futures up 355. If you bought Nvidia last night, you're doing pretty good. Up 84 dollars. That's pretty darn good. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
a longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Hello, everybody. It's Dyson Jacks. I'm Tim uh, We have uh, Greg Pappas on the board, and we also have uh, the other dude. The other dude. He'll be on in a second. SP Futures up 66, NASDAQ Futures. The other dude would be Ryan. When you hear his voice, you'll know it's Ryan. Uh, SP Futures up 66, NASDAQ Futures up 360. Man, I wish I'd have bought some of these last night. Uh, especially, you actually could have got hold of NVIDIA. I'm going to say uh, down 25, 30, 40 bucks, and then it popped up 80. So I'm going to say it traded 625.30 last night. Now it's 760. Boy, if you had a thousand shares of that, you could t- you could take a break. Uh, boy, there's a thousand shares didn't look so good as it was flying down after the earnings came out. And then talk about a U-turn, but they are pretty much up today, and everything's up with them. Met up 11 and 25. We got Microsoft up eight. So we're we're up all over the place. Uh, Dow up 178. Dow's not up as much. I mean the Nasdaq's up a full two percent over in Europe. European markets are, are scorching too. Actually, the DAX 244, 1.4%, maybe a little higher earlier. FTSE, not so much though. They're up six, call that flat. The CAC around up 87, it's 1.1%. So generally a lot higher over there. NECAP 836, 2%, closed over 39,000, surpasses all time high. What was the, uh, God, what's her name? Uh, Ryan, you got to find the Bond movie. Uh, we're at, a, we're at an all-time high. It was, uh, wasn't was Sheen Easton? Who the hell was that lady? Oh, well. We'll, we'll, we'll find her. The uh, Hang Seng up 239, trying to get back to 17,000. It's 1.4%. 16,742 is the whole number. Shanghai up 37, trying to get back to 3,000. 2988, 1.3% is a combination of this NVIDIA you know, relief thing for the market and China's putting money in the system, and as is Japan. It's causing this all to run. Uh, yesterday... Dow was up 48, S&P up 6, NASDAQ was down 50. Uh, as everybody was selling NVIDIA yesterday before the number, 
They were everybody's worried, but evidently they didn't have to be. Uh, ten year up one one basis point four point three four. Uh, the Bund up one basis point two point four five. Japan unchanged. Uh, we have oil down twenty three cents seventy seven sixty eight. Oil patch has been creeping up, but been pretty quiet. Brent down twenty five cents eighty two seventy eight. Natural gas down seven cents one seventy. We have a uh, U.S. dollar where all this going on uh, against the euro is pretty much unchanged at 108.3. British pound, same thing, 126.4. So it's not really affecting the dollar at all, what's going on with the market here. Uh, we have gold, was up a little bit. It's up a dollar 30, 2035. Silver up 15 cents, 23.03. And we have crypto up 202 to 851,205. Ryan, you doing traffic weather sports, bud? You got it, Tom. Right now, we got a solid uh, 47 degrees in Chicago. That's not too bad. Mostly cloudy this morning with a shower in the area, followed by clouds breaking for some sun. Uh, we're, and we're looking at a 50-degree high as well. So, you know what? I call that a decent day here, you know? Maybe a light jacket. Uh, in regards to Phoenix weather, it is currently 51 degrees, and you can expect mostly sunny skies and a pleasant high of 75 degrees. Inbound traffic, the Kennedy from Montrose to the I-290 interchange is about 19 minutes. On the Edens from Lake Cook to I-29 interchange via the Kennedy, you're looking at about 39 minutes there, Tom. Like, that's not too bad. As for the inbound Eisenhower from Wolf to I-90 slash 94 Jane Byrne interchange, also looking at roughly 35 minutes. As for the Dan Ryan via the locals, anyway, uh, from the 95th Street to I-290, you're looking at 23 minutes. And for the inbound Stevenson from I-294 to the Dan Ryan, you're looking at a stark 34. Back to you, Tom. So what does it look like if you were on an L train this morning or a bus Ooh. with AT&T out? What are all these people doing if they can't be on their phone? Oh, I don't know. I mean, they might be people watching. They might be looking out the window. All bets are off, really. They're probably hitting the thing, thinking there's something wrong with it. Yeah, yeah, that too. I mean, we've all seen people freak out on the bus. Uh, definitely with the phone, you know, type of thing. Oh, absolutely. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? You do, Tom. They wouldn't be reading a book, Tom. I can almost guarantee that. No, they would not be reading a book? No, I got a newspaper. I got a, a, a story... <laughs> Uh, one of my guys back in the back in the day in the OEX pit, this uh, dude used to stand next to him down there. The Schwab brokers, or we knew, where, if you tell, if you said what broker you stood by, you knew where in the pit you were, right? So he's got this guy that's kind of a, I don't know, how would you describe him? Kind of a, a musclehead sort of dude. And uh, so everybody, it's right after Christmas, and uh, somebody says, "Hey, what are you getting decent for Christmas?" So the guy says. I got a book. What am I going to do with a bleeping book? <laughs> Bob says, I think that you said what you're going to do with a bleeping book. You're not going to read it. <laughs> what, am, what am I going to do with a bleeping book? <laughs> One of the greatest lines ever from the OEX. And there were a bunch. What am I going to do with a book? Well, there you go. Uh, by the way, what, what do you do with used books? I have a bunch of them I, I, I should get rid of. Do they even want them anymore? Well, I used to be able to take them to places like you know, Powell's Bookstore in Hyde Park. I used to frequent that a lot when I was in between legs of my commute, you know, just to work. And they'd get people in the neighborhood who would come in with, you know, boxes of books they had no room for anymore. And if they were decent condition, Powell's would price them and, you know, had all these, you know, extensive shelves of books that some of them were, you know, 40, 50 years old, but they were in good condition. 
and they were worth something to somebody. And they'd have boxes out on the sidewalk. Folks, free, take one. Take eight. You know, take yeah. 20. But, you know, it's it's harder now with the states and stuff. And books don't really have much um, resale value. Uh, the Newberry Library, which used to have this great book sale every July, uh, canceled it for this year after many years. Um, just I think they just didn't think it was worth the, the trouble anymore to give over the whole library's public spaces to people wandering around fishing for books, although there were some beautiful bargains you could get. But it's kind of a passing of an era, I think. Uh, books are not the way of the future, it seems. Well, there was a, a place up near Green Lake, Wisconsin. Have you, have you ever been up there? Um, it's, no, but I know the area. It's it's nice. I, I mean, know it, of you, yeah. Well, one of, one of the guys I went up there with, he knew of a place, and somehow or another, this farmer, for lack of a better term, decided to turn several of his barns into like book depositories. So anybody who croaked or did something, uh, they'd bring the books over to this place. And every summer he'd hire three, four kids from high school, and they would catalog the ones they thought they could actually sell, and the rest were just in this big barn warehouse that you could go out and, and basically poked through and I and you could tell people you know if somebody died or whatever that liked uh, mystery novels you'd see a massive stack of mystery novels in one spot and then or if somebody else had spy novels or economics or something I of course was like four hours there I walked out with about ten books and I you know I read you know two-thirds of them and now I want to give those back away to somebody I don't feel like driving all the way back to Wisconsin but Anyway, what do you make of the uh, last couple of days? Um, well, today for sure we've had the conversation. We've had the market being reassured by the NVIDIA earnings, where they're up a boatload from last year in terms of earnings. And Now, granted, the, the price surely anticipated this and even more. Okay, so you could say for this com- company, for the moment at least, we, we the investors, are somewhat reassured that the... Uh, you know, the huge trajectory the stock has been on is being at least somewhat matched by the trajectory that the revenue and earnings seem to be on, which is which is what you're looking for, right? So I'm not yeah. I'm not, not bad mouthing that at all. But now it, it also seems to be, at least this morning, a uh, you know, uh, an all clear for all the other stocks that have incredible, by historical standards, fundamental price on the stock as well. Now that I think you got to be careful of because they all just didn't go up 265% in revenue. NVIDIA did. I mean, it doesn't mean Meta did. It doesn't mean Tesla did. It doesn't mean Microsoft did. So you get, you've got that kind of going for you. You've got uh, our increasing expenses on the military either already or about to happen. Um, we have some domestic stuff that doesn't seem to be picking up. The receipts from taxes last year, I think, were, like, down, and this year they're up a little bit. Uh so it's not like the economy's doing so much better that we're, money's pouring into the federal government to be able to afford all this. Uh, we, we had our deficits actually $450 billion worse than after five months last year. Um, so there's a million kind of cross-currents. There's the Fed seemingly, we'll find out tomorrow, is turning around and adding money to the system again they have for the last two months. Well, tomorrow, maybe that, that bus will turn around. We don't get the weeklies anymore like we used to. Thank you, Joe Biden. Uh that I'm sure other people are getting the weeklies, just not us, John. We don't, right. we can't, oh, yeah. we, we can't handle the truth. But what if you had to summarize all this? How do you even how do you even summarize it? Where it's, it's just, it seems to me a very big mess. Where I just want to keep my people very 
if if depending on their comfort level, their age, and whatever, we try and put together programs either somewhat protected, depending on whether they need that or not, really protected, you know, half in T-bills. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's all individual when you talk to clients. But I, the idea that just full speed ahead, you know, put everything in the market like has happened for the last five years and we'll all be okay. And by the way, I'm charging a percent and a half to do that. I don't, I don't see that as the program going forward, but, you know, maybe it will be. I, I don't see that. I think you got to do something a little different here. And, uh, you know, that's what I do for people. And, I've, you know, I've had quite a bit of interest uh, lately, John, way more than, than, you know, in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, people saying, I'm not so sure it's going to go on forever. Still, it's not. Most people are real happy just being along and doing the same thing they've done for whatever. And I, I'm not telling people to sell or whatever, but... Yeah, as, as a trader, if if you know if you if you're you don't even know the name of the company and it starts out one day at forty bucks and two years later it's at ninety bucks, unless you really are really sure that they've gone up by two and a half times in their capability, you sit there and go, I'm not as anxious holding this at ninety as I was at forty. I mean, yet a lot of people feel that hey, it's just it's just getting going. I mean, it's because it's going up, yeah. it's even a better buy and I. And, and for well, sometimes they're right, but by and large, you know, the the risk the higher it goes, the riskier it gets. You know, unless it's doubling and tripling in revenue, which a lot of these companies haven't. Nvidia seems to be. Uh, but how do you? I, I wouldn't necessarily apply that to some other stock. I wouldn't say, well, by the way, Lululemon now is liable to triple. You know, maybe it will in terms of prices. But I mean, how, how do you, as a uh, you know uh, more of a just an everyman when it comes to the market? How are you putting all this together, or are you? I think it's you know it, it suits people who are are starved for some kind of investment opportunity where they can make some money, and you know to have six or seven stocks performing well, or one in particular performing very well. Well, you know it's it really stands out in the crowd because everything else is pretty lackluster to say the least. But you can't you can't keep that as a, a long term. You know, cushion. I don't think, and and maybe not even you know a, a long short term cushion. You you look at what's happening elsewhere in the world, Tom, and this is you know something we've decided we don't have to pay attention to. I guess because we've redefined what a recession is in this country. And you can redefine and you can redefine anything now, John. You, yeah. We redefine morality. You redefine recession. Everything can do whatever. Everybody can do whatever they want. It's all on you. But uh, you know, other countries like like Germany, the UK, Japan, you know, by by traditional measurements, you know, they've slipped into recession, or you know, are going to slip into recession, you know, well on on their way, I think, to contraction. But you know, that's something we decided we don't have to worry about anymore. So we're just blithely going ahead as if there hasn't been a recession, and telling people that all the bad, you know, vibes they get about the economy are in their imagination. That everything is actually pretty good, and of course. I'm not surprised in an election cycle this is the way this would be handled. But, but when you throw that kind of you know mechanism out the window and just you know you know go full speed ahead to end the torpedoes based on the performance of a couple companies, uh, it makes me think that we we've, we've got way more you know pent up disaster coming at us than we want people to think about or plan for because you really can't plan for it. But we have only ourselves to blame, I think, with mismanagement of information and of, of risks that are staring us right in the face, and we choose to ignore them. 
and treat it as if you know we're living in some kind of a pipe dream where everything's going to be okay. That's never been a, a solution to anything. I I got two pieces of mail on Monday from credit card companies where I have accounts, um, and I thought, what's this? You know, sending a new card. I don't think that the card's about to expire. They were both you know changing their terms as of April one. One going from seventeen point nine nine APR to twenty nine point nine nine APR. The other one, you know, a, a similar increase from a little higher point to twenty nine point nine nine. And I, I thought, well, if you have a balance on one of these cards, which thank God I don't, um, come you know April one, what are you going to do? If, if you're if you've been living off this credit card, especially, which I think a lot of people are, you know, the credit cards, your know, balances are skyrocketing. Um, defaults are going to follow soon after. If you've got interest rates like this, people cannot sustain that. Um, and as you were talking to to Dan about the, the hourly rate, you know, for wages, and how you know, it must be that these companies are promising hourly increases to keep people happy enough not to go elsewhere. But they're also cutting back their hours, and that to me, you know, shows that you got a hole in your monthly nut can't you know expect to fill because nobody is hiring well, well on the one hand you have people cutting back on hours i think a lot of it has to do with the fact they don't want to pay your insurance then you have another yeah. another stupid arm of government telling you that last year you're uh, the cpi telling you that insurance rates were down 23 percent no they weren't <laughs> no 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 they weren't i mean come on i, I mean i i don't know john i know if, if i would be the world's worst uh president because i'd be involved in the minutiae i'd have to pick up the friggin phone and say who the hell puts this thing out what a moron are you i mean i, I, mean, I know the person probably isn't that they've they, i know they've went to some sort of a, a a way of looking at the retained earnings of insurance companies as a way to back into the to the price instead of still instead of just calling pti and saying hey time's brother dan how much you paying for insurance last year versus the year before I doubt very much if he would say less. I mean, I know he wouldn't say 25% less. Just saying. Well, speaking of insurance, Tom, I just saw a piece yesterday about the title insurance business where the Biden administration is pushing, of course, affordable housing. And one way of making housing more affordable is not to require title insurance. Of course, if if this is an FHA loan, you're going to have title insurance, whether you want to pay for it or not, because they're not going to take an uninsured lien uh, you know, on anybody's property, but the idea is, well, you've already got things like attorney opinion letters where an attorney can review the history of your home's ownership and decide what the risks are and, and give you an opinion that says, here's what, you know, this is and you can buy it with this kind of risk in mind. But it doesn't cover a lot of the stuff that title insurance does, so whatever you save and not paying for title insurance, you could lose in a complete failure of title down the road, because fraud is skyrocketing identity theft is skyrocketing and that has a huge impact on the real estate business if you've got it unsupervised or you don't have risks um, covered in some way so well, the, just, you know, this just, is the lemmings marching over the cliff today. well we're, we're 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 absolute lemmings i mean the the idea that uh you know and i'm not looking for any any kind of a arm resolution or anything but i i don't i don't understand how we can be be dealing with this the stuff the way we're dealing it, and nobody gets outraged. I mean, I was talking to somebody who's on the conservative end, which of course you are, and, and Biden just comes up with this. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna get rid of the loans 
student loans that are under ten grand, saying if you've been paying for ten years and you're under ten grand, that's good enough. Uh, and of course, other people who never had a student loan saying, why should I pay for that? Uh, all good, good stuff. And I, I don't understand why, John. We can't have somebody with a. I think I have a modicum of common sense and say, what, what have we done to these people with these loans? Well, one thing we did is we pushed it so that the education is up three times what the CPI says it should be from the time we were in school. Well, that's a problem. And if you put our last year's tuition in, John and I both graduated in Notre Dame in the early 70s, mid-70s, sorry, uh, and we, and if you put that in there, the tuition in Notre Dame should be 21 grand. It's not, it's 75. Okay, well, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> I think it was still 21 grand. You wouldn't have any of these issues with loans. Uh, but so we give these people these loans, and for a long time before I think Obama combined the two, most people I think John had a combination of the government loan, which is around three and a half or four percent, and a private loan that was a lot higher, where the blended rate was probably five and a half, six. Am I closer, six and a half, somewhere in there? Yeah, I paid six for my guaranteed, my Illinois guaranteed loan. Okay, so but now we go into a protracted period where the Fed and its infinite stupidity or wisdom, depending on which side you're on, uh, decides to run rates down to a quarter of one percent for banks uh, and for, uh, that's that's what you're getting paid. And oh, by the way, there are some big companies that can avail themselves of other people's money in the two and a half, two and three quarter, three, three and a half range. Meanwhile, we have that policy over here for some people and now on the other side, we've got students paying six, six and a half. And I'm going to say, well, that's sort of interesting. If you're going to give anybody money at the new rate that you think is good for the economy, you might want to give it to student borrowers. Just saying. So I yeah, would. Sure. They're, they're, they're at the bottom of the heap. Yeah. Know, so I would. I would, without this moral hazard of who's paid and who hasn't, I would have no problem, John, going back and saying, for the last five years when we've had this interest rate policy at essentially zero, or not last year, but the four years before that, I would say that I would readjust everybody's student loan thing. Now, of course, we're talking about a government with no money. But I would adjust everybody's student loan thing down from 65 to, say, 3 or something. At least give these people the same rate that, that Amazon could borrow at, since we're the ones manipulating the market. Now, we, if we recalculated that, I will bet most people who have had... First of all, if you do that, the person who has paid off his loan, like in the, sex, next, in the last six months, he's going to get a check. Okay? Because he already paid it. He paid six, and we're going to say we're retroactively putting you at three. And I'm thinking that most people that are under ten grand, their adjustment would probably come pretty close to matching what they had left. But the idea of this person gets it you know, dissolved where the other people paid too much and they're still since they already paid, you don't want to create this kind of inequality across the board when you have an obvious issue here that people are paying too much, not based on when the loan was given to somebody but if, you know, but when your policy in the meantime. Now that, that doesn't begin to go to your point about your credit card debt. Now, when you have a, a Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, I mean, I, th- I bet I would really like the guy if I met him. 
is the is the is the face for what I call absolute stupidity. When you run your rates down to a half of one percent, without any regard of whether and they will get on there and say this 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 is good for the economy, it's good for this, it's good for that. I could probably maybe even it's been a long time, John, but even better than Powell, go through how projects since I used to do this, I used to judge which projects Pullman and Allied Van Lines should do based on the interest rates and based on returns on products. I would do the present values and the in the future value, all that kind of stuff. That's what I did for a living when I you know had that kind of a job. I'm going to say if if you run rates down to half a percent for some people, yet other people are still paying 24 percent on their credit card, you haven't done your job. You have you have an obligation. If you think low interest rates are a good thing, you got to make sure that everybody gets them, not just a few people that happen that you happen to like. I mean, where, where am I? Where am I going wrong? I mean, who benefited from the interest rates before? How, do, how does a bank? There's, you jam so much money in the system that they're turning away people at zero percent, then they're turning around and charging you twenty percent. How many? How many people, Jan, in this country did you know? I'm not saying people have have lives. They have kids. I mean, I don't have a bunch of you know kids under the age of four that take fifty hours out of the day, and I only have twenty four. So I'm not accusing anybody of anything. But what I'm saying is, how many people do you think? Have a credit card balance of ten grand, and they've got five grand in the same bank. They're essentially scalping themselves. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or worse, some people have, uh, you know, maybe an IRA in a bank or something. I'm not saying you can't. That maybe has a hundred grand in it, and they have a credit card balance of twenty. So they're they're net eighty into the bank, and they're paying interest. I mean, for God's sake. Can you, can you turn around and, and, and smack yourself on your own behind? Any, any worse than that? Yeah, then there's no way out of this. There is no selection. Uh, there's no options you can pursue. This is this is what people have been handed. And you, they, they like it or lump it. And they, of course, they have no choice. No wonder these, these people are stretched to the mag. Well, what you know, other options I'm gonna, do they have? Well, I'm going to take, take a shot at you, John. Not personally. You know I would never do that. Uh, in terms of states' rights. I know a lot of you're, actually you're not so much big on this, but a lot of a lot of dudes dancing on the on the head of the pin on the right of the aisle uh, are all into the states' rights crap, uh, and, I'll, and I'll call it crap for this one reason anyway. Most states, at least back in the day, had usury laws. Usury laws, and yet the Supreme Court said, "Ah, eh, doesn't work for interest rates. You can't have a usury law because if if self if if." First National Bank moves their credit card division to South Dakota. It doesn't have a usury law. They can charge you twenty percent, even though Illinois has a usury law of twelve. Yeah, I've never heard any right winger tell me, "Well, that's wrong," because because they, they favor big businesses over you and me. That's seriously wrong, I think. Don't you? Oh, of course, of course. And to put the icing on the cake, we have truth and lending, which just you know it pours vinegar on the wound. Oh yeah, see exactly. You know, they just throw it in your face. What, what can you do about it? Well, that's right. And uh, most people, when they get a credit card, figure they're never going to pay interest, and all of a sudden, two tires blow out, which you know hasn't happened, and they realize the tires are now for the two tires at six hundred bucks, or they have a medical thing in an emergency room. You know, the kid sprains an ankle playing soccer, and all of a sudden, well, that's ten grand. Ten grand for what exactly? We're here an hour. That all of a sudden now you have a credit card that you're paying twenty five percent of. I mean, it's it's scary. All it takes is, is a root canal or an extraction or a 50 emergency room, Tom. 
all of a sudden that credit card could be maxed. Absolutely. So are you, now there's nice weather. Are you getting out at all? I have been, you know, doing my usual, you know, religious ritual, walking to the grocery store to get my exercise in. So yeah, it's been, it was nice the last couple. Oh of yeah. Days, well, maybe maybe I can actually like see you by next week. Maybe even for a beverage, Tom. Maybe, yeah. Well, let's 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 talk about it. I think our friend uh, thinks we we both ditched him and wants to get together with both of us. <laughs> anyway, SP futures up sixty eight. Nasdaq futures up three sixty. It's a big day for there. And I hope you're long Nvidia up seventy nine bucks. I'm not, but I hope you are. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. That's all, folks.